Sorry about the noise. My neighbour's sanding his deck. My motto? Don't work on your deck. Play on it. Life's good with a Trex deck. Low maintenance with a 25-year residential warranty. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Whatever you've got on this weekend, don't miss a moment in the world of sport. Wherever you are around the country, we've got you covered. This is SENZ. It's just gone 3 o'clock here on SENZ. Ricardo Paul with you through till 5 o'clock this afternoon. Uh, still got a few texts to get through too. I uh, did have one, uh, no name on it, saying any update on Putty Putty Parkinson. Of course, the big lock playing at the Highlanders. You had that uh, bad knee injury earlier in the season. I did uh, text Clark Dermody for you um, off, uh, off the back of that question coming through. And he texted me back uh, just now saying he's pretty good, mate. He's back running. May make it for the end of the NPC, but more likely pre-season for Super Rugby. Okay, so there you go. Uh, that's where the, the Party Party Parkinson update is uh, for you. Um, they made an exemption, exception I should say, for Patrick Tuipilotu uh, when he came on, uh, who did little when he came on, uh, but not for Damien McKenzie, who would love the hard, fast tracks in South Africa. I think the difference is we've got uh, Brody Retallick out, we've got Josh Lord, who I think they see as a, a potential uh, next sort of Brody Retallick out as well. So a bit light on locks. I don't know that Damian McKenzie gets in the team. He's not going to get in the team ahead of Jordy Barrett or Will Jordan for fullback. And I think he's behind both Richie Mwanga and Bowden Barrett at 10. So, yeah, I just don't think they need him. And that's why they made the exception for, for Tui Pilotu because they, they needed locks more than they needed uh, a 10 slash 15. But uh, there you go. Thanks for those texts. Keep them coming through. Double eight double three is the temper bedpost text machine. Uh, we should talk uh, some rugby league, updating you the NRL uh, me, uh, results across the weekend. Uh, the Eels, they got beaten in Sydney by the Broncos, who, who looked very good, winning 36-14. That was on Thursday. Big upset on Friday night with the Dragons getting up over the Seagulls, 20-6. Uh, the Roosters have been scoring points for fun in the last couple of weeks. I think they've scored nearly 100 in two weeks. They beat the Knights 42-12 up in Newcastle. And, of course, yesterday we saw the Warriors, who at one point led the Raiders by 14 points to nil, lose 26-14. Here is the little general, Stacey Jones, talking post-match. Stacey, a classic game of two halves. Uh, all the possession went the other way in the second. You, you couldn't hold on. No, we couldn't. Um... You know, obviously the first half was was very solid from us, and you know we challenged the group that um, at half time that Canberra going to come come out with something, and we've got to go with them. And unfortunately, we didn't. Yeah, the defence the whole lot of the first half if you're looking for positive, I suppose. Yeah, oh, look, we scrambled really well. Um, you know, we defended our line really well, and um, you know we just the second half was a total different story. Um, you know the. The 40-20 kicks were massive swings for them and we just couldn't get ourselves out of the hole. Is that just the modern game? How do you get into the second half when you can't get the ball and things are against you momentum-wise? Yeah, we just got to find a way to get it back, to get the ball and get back into a, a process of a bit of a cycle and we did that really well in the first half. In the second half, you know, I don't, you know we might have been down there in once um, attacking their line and we just, we just can't do that in this game. How do you sum up what it was like out on the field in the second half? It was pretty, you know, one-way track at both Yeah, we just, uh, I feel like we just lacked the intensity to start the second half. Um, you know, in the first half we came out, we we did all these simple things really well and, and we're doing them together. The second half we just, um, 
yeah, didn't have that same intensity in Canberra, wanted it more. Still six weeks to go in the season, I suppose. You see guys like today, you, you don't want to pick, you know, top and losses. How do you, how do you as, I suppose, as captain, ensure that this doesn't, you know, go downhill? Um, we just got to well, keep our standards high and, and not accept that, um, not accept defeat. Look, this, this competition's a tough competition week in, week out, and if we want to be a successful club, we've got to, we've got to show that we, we want success. We can't just be a team that will turn up and just roll over for other teams. Um, so everyone's just got to look themselves in the mirror and ask if, if this is what they really want and, and what they want to get out of their, their career and, and, and what they want to do for this club. So as you're a great competitor, still up probably, and uh, you've made changes to the team, where do you go now as coach with the Warriors over the next few weeks? Oh, look, the, we get to go home. Um, so it's a bit, a bit of a boost for us. We really wanted to put a performance so we could go home feeling good. Um, for 40 minutes we did it. But I think with the group now, we, we've got to make sure we stay tight, um, be connected. And then I thought, you know, that second half, we were far from that, you know. So that was the key message that we gave uh, to the group just then, that, yeah, we've got to stay tight here. We get an opportunity to go home and play some footy. So, um, you know, I just said to the boys, get yourselves ready uh, to get back home. Two points that was taken instead of maybe going for a try there from uh, Sean. Uh, no, no, that took us to 14-0, and you know Sean striking the ball really well, and for us it was just to, you know, again reset ourselves, get back into a bit of a cycle that we were doing really well um, in that first half. So no, no regrets to take the two points. Was there any temptation to bring in Reese a bit earlier? Uh, no, not at the, not at that time. Um, we brought Reese on when we. You know, needed to score some points, and unfortunately for him, he probably didn't get to touch the ball um, as much as we would have liked. So, um, yeah, I thought you know Chanel was doing a really good job at at, at the time, and, and Dejan as well. But when we got behind, that's when you know we needed something. How do you use Reese for the rest of the season? You probably see media reports every other day of him being linked with another club. But how do you plan on using him for the rest of the year? Ah, uh, look, I'll review the game, and, and it's week to week. Um, um, for players like Reese and more well, every player really, so we'll look at the game and, and see where uh, if we need to make any changes and, and if Reese is part of that. So, yeah. Did you like Chanel at fullback? I, I thought he did a, a really good job. You know, I thought he, um, um, you know, pushed around the footy. He defended strong. You know, like when they broke our line, he was there and he made his tackle. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll have a look at, at the game and see if we need to make any changes. 26-14, the final score and that on the Raiders winning over the Warriors. It's a record for the Raiders as well. It's the most consecutive points they've scored in an NRL match before the 26 that they put on the Warriors after being 14-0 down. Uh, last night, the Panthers beat the Sharks 20-10. Ugly collision in that head clash between Stephen Crichton and Dale Finucan. Crichton was knocked out cold. He said afterwards he was interviewed at full time saying he didn't remember anything uh, of the clash, but... Uh, the doctors had to hold his ear together. Apparently, he's had he's gone to hospital last night and had to have plastic surgery to put his ear back together. Um, the way that the clash happened, Fnukin came out of the line, obviously looking to put a big hit on, uh, but they ended up clashing heads, and he uh, Crichton got Fnukin's head right on the ear, and I think it just split his ear um, on the on the left hand side. Uh, Twenty odd stitches apparently required to hold it together, which uh, is not pretty. Uh, also, the Rabbitohs, the late kickoff last night. Beat the storm twenty four to twelve, uh, and honestly, it wasn't close at any point. Really, um, 
Kaloa Matangi went in in the first minute. Alex Johnson scored in the 27th as well. Uh, Seve got one back for the Storm before half-time that may, made it look a bit closer than it was, uh, but the last Storm try came right at the end when the game was already done, and that means the Storm have lost four on the bounce. And Craig Bellamy wasn't, I guess, as fiery as you had expected. He seemed a bit resigned. It's almost like he thinks that they are done for the season. There were eight errors in the first half and it pretty much continued after that. Is that basically where the game went away for you guys tonight? Yeah, yeah, I think so. You know, like especially the first half, I thought, um, yeah, that took a, a lot of energy out of us, a lot of petrol out of us. And um, yeah, if you're going to make errors, you, you, you've got to be able to defend them. And at the moment, you know, we'll do that 80% of the time, but the other 20, we won't. Um, so, like I say, it's just, uh, you know, obviously, you know, we've lost four in a row now. The first two losses, I thought, you know, we were really poor, but I thought we made some real steps last week, and I thought that we had some really good parts of our game tonight. But you keep making errors, and you don't back them up with defence, well, you're going to lose the game, and that's what happened tonight. Is it too easy to put it down to the loss of personnel over the past few weeks? Well, I think, with all due respect, I don't care what how people put it down or what's hap- you know what they think's happening. You know, these guys that have gone out, um, you know, we pick a team and we've got guys to, you know, we don't want injuries, obviously. But at the end of the day, we've got guys in our team like we don't pick them up off the street. They've been playing footy for a fair bit, and they need to go out there, catch the ball, pass the ball, and make the tackles. But. Just for parts of our game, we, we can't seem to do that. Other times, you know, we, we do it well, but we, but we're just not not playing a consistent game for well, not 80 minutes. If we if we got 65, 70, that would be you know improving on what we're doing at the moment. So, like I say, for me, at the end of the day, that doesn't stop you from um, you know, making your tackles, catching and passing the ball. We've seen it before, go back to 2012, lost five in a row, didn't lose again, won the comp. Are you confident that you can turn it around? <laughs> no, well, no, I'm not confident we can turn it around. At the end of the day, like I say, I'm sort of coming in here saying the same thing every week or thinking the same thing every week. Um, in that, you know, we're, we, you know, with some good efforts out there tonight, but there's some stuff that's not, you know, you're not going to get away with at this level and yeah you'll pay a price and, and, and that's all we've done the last couple of weeks you know and like tonight you know we give a penalty away early and you know at the end of the day that's that's how it is but and then you know he could have walked over in the corner you know in a minute and a half so we're not fatigued then and then you know for the rest of the half we, we defend okay but like I say it's those moments that we're, that's really hurting us at the moment is it a case of do plan A better, or is it? Is, Say again, sorry. Is it a case of try and do plan A better, or at this stage after four defeats in the road, do you have to have a rethink about how you approach the rest of the season? No, no we just yeah, we have a rethink about how we handle each week, to be quite honest, and um, yeah, what we think we could do this week to, to help us yeah, perform better this weekend. Yeah, we're not we're not we're not thinking about six weeks time or seven weeks time, whatever it is. At the end of the day, we're at, at the position we're at the moment, we're just concerning ourselves with tomorrow, and then hopefully, you know, that'll help us uh, perform a bit better on uh, whenever we're playing next week. 
Craig, the club has been linked to players this week, like Reese Walsh and a few others. Do you start to look before the August 1 deadline to maybe bring a few guys in? Yeah, yeah, we'd like to do that, but, you know, um, at the end of the day, we're, we're sort of running out of time and, um, you know, um, yeah, like I say, there's obviously other clubs that have got players, you know, they don't want to release them. So um, we just need to... You know, we, we, we will. We, we will still look if, if we can. Um, but, you know, whether that happens or not, you know, like I say, at the end of the day, I'm not, I'm not going to be involved. I, you know, my job is to coach the team, and coach, uh, coach the players that we've got here at the moment. And um, that's what I'm concentrating on. As I said, we, you know, we just need to get better and uh, we need to look at that during the week and hopefully, um, you know, we can, we can do a better job next week. But... Like I say, again, the night, you know, the, the, the Rabbitohs just kept putting us down our end. And, you know, part of that was, you know, at times, you know, we we didn't defend well enough, you know, to keep them out of that zone, you know, to, to put them kicks in. And, you know, I don't think we put them under that sort of pressure all night. So, you know, it's, it's just the little things and little effort areas in parts of the game. And it's not all the game, but it's parts of the game. And, you know, we need to get better at that. Craig, as a coach who hasn't experienced this too often, the team's been very successful. Do you relish this this challenge of trying to turn the team around in a point? <laughs> no, no, I'd rather have won four in a row, to be quite honest. But um, I wouldn't say I relish it, but, um, you know, it, it is what it is. That's, you know, I've probably always been like that. You know, it is what it is. This is happening or that's happening. And it's no use hoping that something else is happening or something else is going to happen. You've got to make it happen. And, you know, you only make it happen through hard work and, um, you know, we just need to, you know, we're probably at the crossroads at the moment. We've got to decide whether we want to turn left or turn right. And, um, yeah, with all due respect, you know, the players will make that decision. How do you think Nick fared at the back? And do you think he's yeah. your, your guy moving forward, maybe? Yeah, I, I, I think, he'll, you know, I, I think he, he's done a, a real good job, actually. Like, it's, it's not, you know, we've moved him different places this year. You know, he's played in ours, plays on the wing. I think he's had a game in the centres and... You know, he's playing fullback. You know, I, I think the last two weeks he's only been our best player, or he's certainly been our top three or four. Um, so, yeah, like I say, you know, it's obviously losing Paps as a, was a blow, but, you know, Nick's has done a solid job there. You know, again, I, I wouldn't... You know, what's happening, certainly nothing to do with him. You know, it's, it's other areas that we've um, been letting ourselves down. Jesse, just how frustrating is it on the field? I mean, the scoreboard was pretty close tonight, but just those key moments, you make a break, drop the ball, 40-20, drop the ball, you're just not clicking when it's so important to, to come up with those huge moments. Yeah, it's really frustrating. I think it's just frustrating for the whole team. Uh, just not playing the Melbourne Storm style of footy, you know. It's ill-disciplined at the moment and there's plenty of errors and we're working too hard. You know, in areas we shouldn't be because of those things are happening. But it's definitely really frustrating. All the boys are feeling it. But um, I think moving forward, we just need to try and go back to playing Melbourne Storm footy. You know, high discipline, high completions, good kicking game. Do all the, the hard stuff that, you know, other teams don't do. So, yeah, we just need to get back to doing that stuff. And disappointing as well, Jerome uses 100 game not to get the result for him. Yeah, for sure. I think the last two milestones, or the last few milestone games, haven't been haven't been really good. Uh, you know, we wanted to make a point this year on making them really special for the boys. Um, I remember a few years back we used to really make a big effort on making them really special for the boys and their families, and 
uh, this year we've gone away from it a little bit. So, yeah, really disappointed in myself and in the boys for not getting up for Jerome. But I think we've got bigger problems. You know, we need to move forward. We need to start getting some wins up. There you go. That is the uh, press conference of post-match press conference of the Melbourne Storm um, post uh, another loss for them. They're fourth on the bounce. Their first time since 2015 they have lost four in a row. And uh, where they currently sit, they are fifth on the ladder. They're on 24 points. The Panthers 36, so they're 12 off uh, the leaders. Although the Panthers, it's a bit of a misnomer because in second place it's the Cowboys on 26, only two points ahead of them. Uh, the Cowboys do have a game in hand though. They play the Tigers this afternoon, and uh, there's two games this afternoon actually. Coming up next in about three quarters of an hour is the Bulldogs against the Titans. The Dogs are, are favourites in this. They're paying a dollar fifty-seven. Uh, the Titans two thirty-five. You can get the handicap is four and a half points. Apparently, it's the first time since I think it's the first time since twenty seventeen that the pan, uh, that the Bulldogs have been more than a more than a try favourites in a game, um, which I think says a lot about where the Bulldogs have been the last uh, few seasons. Also, the Cowboys take on the Tigers. Uh, that is the late game, uh, and the Queensland North Queensland Cowboys are very hot favourites. A dollar oh seven. Plays $8 in that one, and they've got a 21.5-point uh, head start, according to the TAB. You can get the Cowboys 13-plus at $1.33, uh, and I reckon that dog's game will be pretty tight, but you take the dogs, 1 12 they're paying 3 bucks 30 So a few things to think about there if you, uh, if you fancy a punt at the TAB on uh, the NRL. It is 18 past 3 here on SENZ. Keep your texts coming through, whether it's on the, on the Rugby Union, on uh, the coaching shake-up. What do you make of Jason Ryan coming in to replace John Plumtree? Brad Moore gone as well. Fozzie's doing that job in the short term. Rumours that Leon McDonald is going to join the All Blacks coaching setup. Keen to get your thoughts. 0800 150 811 or 8833. It's 23 past 3 here on SENZ Sunday afternoon. Ricardo Ball with you through till 5 o'clock. Uh, course coming up a little bit later on tonight we will have live coverage of the Cowboys versus the Tigers from the NRL for you had a few texts through um one saying is Foster and co using Scott Robertson's team well pretty much it seems that way the rumor is to be believed that Leon McDonald is going to be added as the backs coach after the South African games uh then you'd have to say Fozzie two of the guys that he wanted in during the interview process of this is going to be my team and here's why will be gone and two of the guys that Robertson had on his team will be in Interesting indeed. Thanks for your text. Uh, also, earlier somebody was asking why Damien McKenzie wasn't given an exemption like Patrick Tuipilotu, and I suggested it's because we needed locks, but we don't really need a third-string fullback slash 10. Uh, Stephen Pirafetta can do that for us at the moment. Uh, Ken has also texted through saying he thinks the difference is that Tuipilotu has signed with New Zealand Rugby until 2024. DMAC has yet to re-sign. He said he thinks he's right on that. That might play into it potentially. And Josh has said, what does it say to the rugby community with the money spent on Bradmore and Plumtree? Too many cooks in the kitchen, McLeod, question mark. Yeah, well, McLeod's name hasn't been brought up at all, has it? Uh, it's an interesting one. Thanks for your text. Josh, keep those coming through on double eight double three. As I mentioned earlier, we do have games of rugby league coming up, including one starting in around half an hour between the Dogs and the Titans. The... Uh, Race for the race to the bottom is well and truly on. Currently in Wooden Spoon Place are the Tigers, who play the Cowboys later. They have won three from 14 
They are zero uh, and five. Their last five. They play the ti- uh, Sorry, they play the Cowboys as I mentioned. Above them are the Titans on points differential by twenty two points, but they've won the same amount of games. And then uh, two points further ahead are the Dogs, who of course play the Titans. So if they get a win tonight. Uh, they will put four points between them and the bottom two, and then the Knights and the Warriors on 12 points as well, up to 12th, and then there's a big gap to the Dragons and 11th on 20 points, so you'd say it's probably between the Warriors, the Knights, the Dogs, the Titans, and the Tigers, and talk some rugby league with Ben Francis, and Ben, what do you reckon's gone wrong for the Melbourne Storm to have lost four on the bounce? I mean, I, I look at the team that they've got, I know they, I know they were missing Ryan Pappenhausen, right, but you look at the rest of the team, and that's almost full strength, isn't it, for for the Storm? I mean, you know, you you got guys like uh, the Bromwich brothers in there. you got big uh, Nelson Asafa-Solomona in there as well. Uh, in terms of the Ford pack, um, you've got uh, Harry Grant hooking and Felice Calfusi in there as well. Josh King uh, is the lock. And then Jerome Hughes and Cameron Munster in the halves. Uh, Grant Anderson on the wings, a youngster, of course, and so is Dean Aramia. But Justin Ollum was, uh, I think, the uh, Dallium centre last season, Nick Meany at fullback. I mean, it's not not a bad side. Why have they lost four on a bounce? Well, they, I think their forward pack is looking pretty good, but they are missing a few guys in that back line. George Jennings tore his ACL earlier this season. Uh, Christian Welch, I know he's a forward, but he's also down with the ACL. Ryan Pappenhausen gone. So there have been a few guys missing, and they've kind of gone through periods where they haven't had everyone. So they have they get times where, say, they'll have Munster and Jerome Hughes there, and Pappenhausen was out, then they get Pappenhausen out, and then Munster goes down. It's, just, it's been a bit of a cycle like that, but I think we've spoken about it before, and... This almost has felt like the beginning of the end of this dominant storm era, and it's amazing how kind of quickly it has uh, crashed down. Uh, of course, the Dolphins have poached lots of the engine room uh, in that storm forward pack, and it's going to be a completely different storm side next year. And I kind of think, is it just due to the guys that aren't that are gone in terms of that leadership, the real strong leadership core? And was that a real key reason to why the Storm were successful for many years? And of course, I'm talking about Slater, Cronk, and Smith. Kind of felt yeah. like once those guys went, from my perspective, things did start going down in terms of culture. We saw the incident last year involving Munster, who seems to recover well from it. Brandon Smith, not so, but I think that's part of it as well, just due to, to with his contract situation, which, of course, is resolved. But I'm, I'm thinking, is it, is it partly down to the, the leadership of the team? Yeah, well, I mean, do you think there's... And I, I don't want to cast aspersions on people because you are questioning people's professionalism when you say this, but do you think some of them have mentally checked out because they're thinking about next season? I've, I've thought that about players before, at the Warriors and elsewhere, and I think this is part of the why the current system is flawed in terms of the, the transfer market. I think it's absolutely wrong that you can sign players. Like, so say, say November 1 hits, you can start signing players for the 2024 season when you don't even know what the whole setup's going to be, as in when... Michael Maguire was sacked from the Tigers and the story came about uh, Isaiah Papali'i apparently is looking for a please explain in terms of 
you know, what's going on. Because if you don't get the right coach, I might not want to be there next year. There's been the more examples in terms of, you know, like Viliami Kikau and guys like Matt Burton who signed from the Bulldogs to play under Trent Barrett. So now the Bulldogs have had to go all in to get Cameron Serraldo, which looks like it will happen, but that might have not been necessarily their first choice had these guys there and they're saying, well, if this is not our coach, we don't want to be here. So it's, it's, it's a real mess, and I think it just shows that the system needs fixing. The Warriors have had, you know, the likes of Nakore, Luke Metcalf, all signed up for next year. Almost seems like it, <laughs> pretty much for all this year. And it's quite frustrating in terms of they just need to introduce that transfer window system or something to fix it because it's a complete mess. And there's a very good chance that guys have already checked out. It wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, um, it's interesting, actually. So the Storm have lost four in a row. Uh, next week, they play the Warriors. Can, can we snap their streak for them? Well, the last time, you said before that the Storm, last time they lost four in a row was 2015, right? Mm-hmm. Also, the last time uh, the Warriors beat the Storm. There you go. So I'm, 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 I'm so gonna, get on the Warriors is what you're saying. <laughs> I'm going to be at the game, so I, I do hope that they do get up and win the, win the Warriors. Uh, it's really hard to say because looking at that Warriors game, that 40 minutes in the first half against the Raiders, it's probably the best 40 minutes they've put together all season. I know in that first 10 minutes they had all the ball, and that's where their two tries were scored. But they looked really good on both ends of the ball. You know, the Raiders were throwing lots at them and they were holding them out. And you're thinking, all right, you know, this this is good. This is a sign of improvement. And then it literally just this, the thing happens where they just don't have the ball. And we've seen that lots of times this year. But well, the one thing that frustrates me is when you don't have the ball, the first thing you do is when you get the ball is just complete a set. Yeah. Too often, you know, teams don't get the ball and they're almost frazzled and they're tired and they just throw it around and then they make a mistake and then they go through another period without holding the ball. The other thing which also frustrates me and something I've spoken about in the past before is taking <laughs> going for two. I, I hate it in rugby league. To me, it just blows your momentum. You know, the Warriors had front football. Stacey Jones spoke about it in the press. He said he doesn't regret it, but I felt that that was the time to really put the foot down. I think there was less than 10 minutes to go before the before the break. Just put some pressure on before the break. Ensure you go into halftime with momentum. And to me, when you stop, you take the two, especially that far out, it, it really does stop momentum for me. And I, I hate it. I've spoken about it before. And I, I feel like I, if it was me, I'd be reflecting on that and saying I made a mistake there. But that's just because I don't like the penalty goal in certain situations and mm. in, in rugby league. I feel like if the Warriors can put together that first half performance against the Storm, they should go all right. The Storm have not looked good at all. But in saying that, the Warriors have also had a lot of footy this year where they've played like in the second half against the Raiders. So it kind of, for me, it really depends on what Warriors side shows up. It'll be very interesting to see what Stacey Jones does with the team this week in terms of what, will Reece, uh, what role will Reese Walsh play. Because he came off the bench, he only had about 12 minutes. And when he came on, he... I know the Warriors didn't have a lot of ball, but he did not really have a good impact. He got a, it seemed like he got in the way a couple of times. He had a mistake in, in two in there as well. So we were interesting to see how Stacey just, uh, changes thing up because I thought Chanel was great at fullback. Uh, Dejan Arce looked pretty good as well at 5'8". And other changes in the team as well. I'm not too sure what he does there. The, the one I did note was uh, when they were bringing on some of the bench guys that Tohu kind of moved out to the edge and whether he try finds a way to keep Tohu in the middle of the park 
uh, those would probably be where I would be leaning towards. But I wouldn't expect too many changes just based on uh, off the top of my head. Maybe you bring Aaron Penne back. But I'm very curious to know how Reese Walsh will be utilised. Mm, yeah, maybe another 14 jersey um, for the season, uh, for the for this week. It could be, but do you look at, do you look at bringing him on earlier, and do you look at possibly changing his role? Because it's something that we spoke about in terms of how he would be used. We had no idea. I didn't expect him to come on for RC. I will admit that one did surprise me. Uh, but I, I guess how I kind of see it. I feel like your number 14 needs to be a guy that's going to bring speed at the ruck in terms of you know, when the when the pack's starting to tire, you get him in there so he can go for a bit of a run. So, Yeah, we just had a text come through. Uh, can you get your thoughts on this? I think the Warriors have put this to bed, but I'm going to ask you the question anyway. This is from Lee. Hi, gents. Do you think Reese Walsh will get COVID again this week and then line up for the Storm the next? <laughs> oh, Cynic. I like it. Well, the Storm have one week to to bring in a replacement. They have said they are actively hunting for someone to come in and kind of fill in that back line where they have they have, do have a few injuries. So I, I think they potentially have given up on Reese Walsh and I'm no medical expert, but I don't think you can get COVID pretty quickly after just recovering from it. <laughs> so I would say unlikely, but unfortunately in this great game of a rugby league, you just never know what on earth is going to happen because... We've seen it before. We've seen it twice this year with coaches where the general manager has come out and said, no, coach is safe, two weeks, he's out the door, goodbye, the end. Hmm. So you just never know in rugby league, and I think that's probably what makes it so interesting. Yeah, true. You could be onto something. Uh, we do have two games, of course, uh, to go in this round of the NRL. Uh, the Bulldogs take on the Titans uh, coming up shortly. This is the lineups, actually. Uh, the Bulldogs are favourites here, but the Titans seem to have really gone off the rails. But on paper, I think they look like a better team. But this is the Ford pack for the Dogs. It's Max King, Jeremy Marshall King and Paul Vaughan as the front row. Josh Jackson and Corey Waddell are the second rowers. Raymond Faitala Marana is the uh, lock. And that means that Tavita Pangai Jr., Zach Docker Clay, Joe Stimson and Chris Patolo are off the bench for the Dogs. Their back line is, the, is Kyle Flanagan at halfback, Matt Burton at six, uh, Josh Adokar and Jacob Carraz on the wings, Aaron Shoup and Braden Burns in the midfield uh, in the centres, and Declan Casey at fullback. Uh, for the uh, Titans, Moekai Fochueka, Aaron Booth and Isaac Liu are the props. David Fafida and Bo Furmore are uh, playing in the second row. Big Tino Fa Asua Mali Louis is the lock there. And then for in the back line, it's Toby Sexton at halfback, Tana Boyd at six, Corey Thompson and Sosifo Fafita are the wingers. Philip Sami and Patrick Herbert are the centers. Alexander Brimson is playing fullback and off the bench. It's Aaron Clark, the Kiwi hooker. Uh, Jermaine Jolliffe, Herman Essie Essie, and Jaden Campbell is back as well off the bench. It's a, it's a pretty lightweight bench for the uh, for the Titans to be said, but those are the two teams. Who do you like, Ben? Who do you like? I like the Bulldogs. Uh, I've even though they've had their struggles, I think they've actually had quite a decent side on on paper. I'm a big fan of Matt Burton. Uh, there's a couple of other guys in there who I think are you know really good, like Jacob Kraz is a is a really uh, good winger. Uh, they've got a bit more experience, I think, overall. I think the problem with the Titans is they've really tried to rely on that youth, uh, especially this year. You just look at that back line that you read out, and I think 
Corey Thompson's probably the only guy in there with over 100 caps. Maybe Philip Sami is close. Patrick Herbert? Patrick Herbert, he, even though he's been around a few years, but he, I don't think he's had a lot of NRL games. I, I think if I was to guess, I would say he's closer to 50 than 100. So just overall, that, that back line is very inexperienced. Oh, oh, how good are you? Career appearances, 55. Oh, what do I win? <laughs> uh, my undying respect. Oh, that, well, I'll take that because that's very important to me. Uh, but I think, yeah, I think, so. I think overall it's just that the Titans have had to rely so much on youth this year and I feel like when the game's going to get tight and the Bulldogs have a chance, they do have that capability uh, to get over the line. And I... I don't think it. I think it sort of happened the last couple of years. The Bulldogs have actually finished the seasons very strong. They've had very strong finishes to the season, so I'm expecting maybe that trend will continue. Uh, another reason why I'm picking the Bulldogs in that one. Yeah, nice. All right, there you go. That game kicking off shortly. We will have live coverage of the Tigers versus the Cowboys for you a little later on. Uh, coming up between now and four o'clock, we're going to talk basketball with Justin Nelson. <laughs> 19 away from 4 o'clock here on SENZ. Ricardo Ball with you through to uh, 5 o'clock, I should say, this afternoon. Joining us uh, is uh, one of the founding members of Hoopheads, a show here Wednesday nights on SENZ uh, to talk basketball, Sky Sport commentator as well, Justin Nelson. How are you doing, mate? Hey, I'm well. You're trying to get out an hour early today. I, I am, mate. I'd, I'd love to. I'd love to, but <laughs> I, I think I'm the only one I'm falling, so I don't think it's going to happen, mate. Um, well, of course, we've got the uh, the Asian Cup for basketball on at the moment, and the uh, Tall Blacks have gone pretty well. What well, they dropped uh, a game, to, uh, one game in the in the group stages uh, to Lebanon, uh, but then they've gone all right uh, until the semi final. They came unstuck against uh, the Aussies. Yeah, damn those Aussies. Hey, the Aussies got up by nine and just a little bit stronger down the stretch and, and in key parts. But I thought the Tall Blacks did really well. Uh, they certainly gave themselves every opportunity. And look, they've had a little bit of illness. They've had a couple of injury concerns as well. Um, you know, Max Darling and, and Sam Meninga didn't play in this game. And uh, look, they were right there. And the end result is they've lost that semi and they play tonight for a bronze medal, which would be their first ever medal in a FIBA Asia competition. Of course, uh, we haven't been there for too long, uh, but they're up for a bronze medal tonight when they take on Jordan from 10:30 out on. Yeah, how do you how do you see that game going, and, and what have you made of the Jordanians this tournament? Oh, look, Jordan's always you know got some players that uh, are more than capable of jumping out of their skin, uh, and look, they're, they're going to be tough. They only went down to Lebanon by one point in what was a thrilling game. Uh, in that other semi-final, uh, five lead changes in the last quarter, and uh, and Lebanon poked their nose in front at the end. So, look, Jordan's going to be tough. Um, ironically, we actually play against Jordan here in New Zealand next month, August 29, in a World Cup qualifier. So, maybe a little bit of a preview to that. But I, I certainly expect the Tall Blacks team to look different uh, come that game at the end of August. This is a very young. Tall Blacks team, and I think Coach Perro Cameron's done an outstanding job with the rising talent in this team. And there's certainly, you know, some good signs to come for the future, including his own son, 22-year-old Flynn Cameron, who really has been a breakout star for the Tall Blacks on this tour. And uh, if they can cap it off with a bronze medal tonight, it'd be an outstanding performance. But yeah, Jordan, no pushover, mate. No, uh, I mean this team, of course. 
it's not the, the you know the the full strength tall blacks is it? it is very I mean I know I've seen them dubbed uh, a little bit tongue in cheek with what's going on the baby blacks uh, you know much like the uh, the rugby team from '86 um, I mean how many players have we got to come in uh, outside of the group that's there and, and and how many of the guys that are there do you think hold their spots when when everyone's available? Yeah, it's a really good question. You know, probably, you know, three or four may hold their spot. Uh, I mean, Big Sam Timmons is obviously a, uh, a real force. And, you know, I think Jordan Hunt has done well on, on this particular uh, occasion. Um, you know, Flynn Cameron has, has shown his wares and, and Taylor Britt has sort of started to become a bit of a regular. So, yeah, look, there's probably three or four. There's no doubt there's some big names missing for sure. And, you know, there to come back in. This was all part of the plan for, for the Tall Blacks and Perro and his coaching staff to take a younger team. And I think what it has shown is, you know, the, the depth of the game across New Zealand now is, you know, as good if not better than it ever has been before, especially with the large numbers at collegiate level in the US. And we're starting to see them, you know, filter back into the system. Uh, no question domestically, the cells NBL continues to go from strength to strength. And probably since the showdown in 2020 when we started to see the young local talent um, given an opportunity to play just in the circumstances that we had as a society at that time, you know, I think it's really kicked on from there. So the depth is far greater uh, for me if, if I have a look at it now. And, uh, you know, the Australian team that they went down to in the semi-final, they had a lot of young players coming through their system as well. Certainly a couple of stars. I mean, Thon Maker, uh, is is a star in his own right, and, and he led the way for the Aussies in that game with 18 points and, and nine rebounds. And a familiar face for Kiwis here, you know, Will McDowell White uh, had 15 points and seven assists, and, and and you know, in the end, they proved to be the difference. Yeah, they did. They they, they look pretty good, mate. They look pretty good. I mean, is there? It's the eternal question. I do have to ask you: Do you uh, expect in your lifetime to see Stephen Adams in a black singlet? I do. Yeah. I look. I, I'm. I'm probably known around the basketball traps as the as the optimist. You know, I, I'm I'm always on the positive side of of every situation. But I do, and I've said that from day one. You know, since stepping into the country, I, I think it's it's a little bit um, Andrew Bogatesque, if I can put it that way, with what you know us Australians went through with that non-stop call for Andrew Bogat to represent. Uh, the boomers and, and put on the, the the green and gold when he was plying his trade in the NBA and uh, I, I don't think too much about the past and I know there's been stories that have done the done the rounds for years and years as to why Stephen Adams you know hasn't pulled on uh, a tall black singlet but look the guy is plying his trade in the greatest competition in the world and he's damn good at it he earns really good money to do it and for me that's what he should be focused on he should be focused on making the absolute best of his career while he's got the chance, get paid what he can get paid while he can. And then I've got no doubt international basketball for Steve Adams and all the Kiwi fans that want to see him play for the Tall Blacks will come in the future because you're a long time retired. And I think when the NBA stuff is done, and hopefully it goes on for some time yet for Steve, but when it is done, you know, he's a real passionate Kiwi. He wears his Kiwi pride, you know, on his sleeve globally. You know, you, you, you see all the interviews over there in the NBA and talking about Steve Adams and how proud he is to be a New Zealander. And I, I think he's going to want nothing more than to play for his home country uh, when he gets the chance in the future. So, you know, may, may, maybe 
I'm the optimist in the bunch. I don't know, but I really do think we'll see him, yes. Yeah, good stuff, Justin. Thanks for uh, coming on and talk a bit of Tall Blacks, mate. Of course, uh, you've been commentating all the Sells NBL stuff as well. Two games so far th- uh, finished this round. Uh, we've seen that the Saints continue their great run. They're now 8-8 eight and eight after uh, thumping the Jets by 39 points. And uh, the Giants cemented their place at the top of the ladder as well, 85-74 over the Cantabs. Yeah, look, it's been a really exciting round. The Sharks, again, giant killers. They took down the airs on Friday night. The Saints obviously got the Hawks on Thursday night and then beat the Jets uh, yesterday. I was at that game against the Jets, and, gee, they're powerful, and I think everyone's scared of the Saints at the moment and what they're putting together. The airs and the Nuggets are actually currently playing right now, and I can tell you that uh, with about two and a half to go in the first half, the airs lead that game by three. It's a real shootout at the moment. There's star players on both of those teams. And uh, still, you know, a game to come a little bit later on today, the Bulls and the Tuatara, and that might just be the biggest game of, uh, of round 13. And can we just give a shout-out uh, to the Southern Hoiho, who earlier today won their first game ever, uh, first game of uh, the Taihi season, but as a franchise, won their first game ever. They got up over the five by eight points. So well done to the Hoiho. Yeah, well done indeed. That's a fantastic result for them. Good stuff. Justin, go well, mate, and uh, enjoy the rest of your basketball this afternoon, eh? Good as always. Thank you. Cheers. Uh, Justin Nelson there with us. It is 10 away from 4 on SENZ. It's five away from four o'clock here on SCNZ. After four o'clock, we're going to catch up with Lily Elfeld. She is the uh, goalkeeper and also the captain of the Wellington Phoenix women's team from last season. Uh, Since she started playing for them, she was also made her debut for the Football Ferns and uh, has just signed a new deal with the Knicks for the coming season as well. So Lily is going to join us. We're also going to talk the Com Games and cycling. We've got a big cycling team going to the Com Games. Del Woodford's going to join us around 4.30 to talk our medal chances and we might even touch on uh, a little bit of Tour de France as well. If you've missed the news you're just tuning in, uh, the All Blacks have made changes in the coaching department so we have seen uh, Jason Ryan who's the assistant coach of the Crusaders, he's uh, technically like a forwards and scrum coach as well, uh, very good on the defence, particularly around line-out drives. He has come in and replaced John Plumtree. Brad Moore is also gone for the time being. Ian Foster will look after the backs, but there's a strong rumour doing the rounds that Leon McDonald uh, in a couple of weeks' time could come in as the new All Blacks back coach. We'll see. Uh, it certainly does raise a few questions, though, because it's probably about half the backroom team that Scott Robertson said he'd bring to the table when he applied for the job, but he didn't get it. So there's a lot of people looking at that and saying, hang on, what's going on here? What happened at the interview process and why wasn't this picked up then? Uh, so, yeah, lots to get stuck into. We'll do all that next hour. Keep your texts coming through as well. Our temper bedpost text machine. Number is double eight double three. I'd love to hear from you. Double eight double three or 0800 150 811. It's just gone four o'clock here on SENZ. Sunday afternoon with Ricardo Ball here through till five, uh, about 4.30. Uh, Del Woodford, a cycling commentator, is going to join us. We'll talk about the New Zealand Commonwealth Games team and medals prospects uh, when it comes to the bikes. But joining us now is the latest uh, re-signing for the Wellington Phoenix women's team. Uh, it's been a busy old week for the for the Phoenix. And Gemma Lewis, of course, we've already seen uh, Mackenzie Barry, Alyssa Wynnum, and Paige Satchel sign uh, papers with the team as well. But late last week, uh, we also saw uh, the inaugural captain and goalkeeper as well, Lily Elfield, uh, put pen to paper on a deal, and she joins us now. G'day, Lily. How are you doing? 
Oh, you there, mate? Sorry, I got a, I got a beep and a, and a pip. I'm not sure. Are you, are you there? Yep, yep, I'm here. Ah, yeah, all good, mate. How, how does it feel for you to secure another contract for this year, particularly being a year before the World Cup with the Knicks? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm, I'm stoked, you know, to get that contract again. Um, obviously, it was it's such a cool experience last year having, you know, getting to lead that team in our inaugural season. You know, and, and as soon as I, I got that offer, it was really a no-brainer for me. I really wanted to, to get back on board and, and, and join the Knicks again. Yeah, I, I mean, for you, from a professional environment and being involved with Gemma and Nat and, and the whole team, obviously being based in Australia for the whole year, um, what was that experience mm-hmm. like, and, and what do you think that's brought to your game? Yeah, it, it was quite a, a big challenge. You know, the, the off-field side of last season, just having to move over to Aussie and, and doing so with such a, a young team. Um, but I think... I had had my previous season in Perth, and I think that was a great introduction to professional football and, you know, what that means to to play at that level. And I think last year it was just, you know, kind of a a step up in terms of that challenge. And obviously getting to captain that team, I think I I was able to, you know, grow a lot as a player. And I think think all the girls kind of have got a good good idea of what it means to be, you know, to play at this level. And I think... Um, obviously, we'll, we'll take that into this season, and, and now we have that little bit more experience. I think, hopefully, you know, we can you can just get on with the job now. It's, it's you know, we're not facing as many new new challenges, and I think, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited for for what lies ahead this season. Yeah, how did you find captaining from from the goal? Uh, is, was that a challenge for you? Um, given mm-hmm. you know, generally, uh, it tends to be an outfield player captaining, so they can be around the ball and around what's happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it actually was. It was a bit of a challenge of being in that position. Obviously, I'm um, probably only only within the earshot of all of the girls in, in that first half. You know, when we're defending, but um, but we had a lot of a lot of great leaders on the field. That you know, when it was in position further up the field, they were great. But you know, naturally, being a goalkeeper, you you have to be loud and you have to lead. And um, so I was you know able just to lead into that that anyway. Um, and yeah, I think. Obviously, like I said, there was a lot of girls that stepped up and were able to lead in those moments. Yeah, in terms of um, Gemma and Nat as well as as coaching staff, uh, I guess mm-hmm. you know in the leadership you role you had to, you had to take. What did you learn from them in your leadership role? Oh, I think Gemma and Nat were, were fantastic. I, I have so much respect for what they did last season. Obviously, you know it was their experience at professional football. They'd obviously both been involved in. Um, in the international game before, but I think it was just, you know, to have to kind of figure their way, you know, around, all, you know, this new environment and, and also be responsible for essentially, you know, 20 girls that have, have moved away from home. I think they were amazing and, you know, they they kept us grounded and, and they helped us, you know, through that those challenges and, you know, I, I have so much admiration and was able to, you know, just kind of sit back and observe how, how they were handling things and, yeah, we were just very, very fortunate to have such an amazing staff that went over with us last year. Uh, I talked to Gemma last week and she said by the time she leaves for the Under-20 World Cup, uh, she hopes to have 75% mm-hmm. of the squad announced, which, uh, you know, we've got four players so far. So what are we talking? There's going to be probably <laughs> another another eight or, or so at least in the in the, in the next week. Uh, are you pretty, uh, mm-hmm. pretty happy with the direction they're going in terms of the players that, that are coming in? Yeah, absolutely. I think you know, they've been working really hard in this offseason. Obviously, they've had to had to juggle that with the, the Under-20 World Cup, like you said, but they've, they've put a lot of work in. And I think 
you know, the team's really going to shake up to be uh, very competitive this year, I think. Obviously, this week we'll, we'll see some more signings, and I think that, yeah, the, the team that we walk out with in, in that first game in November is, is going to be very competitive, and I'm really, really excited to see how, how we go this season. I mean, obviously, Paige is a, is a new face. She wasn't with the squad last season. She was in mm-hmm. Sydney. Um, what do you? How many changes do you expect to be in that squad from the sort of eighteen twenty that you had last season to to this season? Um, that's actually a good question. I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sure. I, I imagine, yeah, obviously, Gemma, they're going to try to bring in a little bit more experience. They obviously have a bit more time this season. Mm. And last last year, it was very rushed, so they have a bit more time to you know, pick, go go out and look at, at signing some new players. But I think, you know, that there was a lot of girls that proved themselves last year and proved worthy of, of playing in that competition. So I think, you know, we'll, we'll see a lot of girls rewarded in that sense. But, yeah, that I, I imagine they will try to bring a little bit more experience. You know, that was probably the thing we missed last season. Um, yeah, so mm. I'm, I'm very excited to see you. See how I get signed in the next week. Yeah, it is, and I, you know, I, I, I don't want to put you on the spot, but there's a player that I kind of expected to to be in the in the in the team in the first season who wasn't due to her job with New Zealand football, and that's Annalee Longo. But especially, I suppose now that we're not based over in Australia the, for the whole season, and we're a year out from the World Cup, uh, it would be a great idea mm-hmm. to get her involved in the team. I mean, how much would she she uh, add? Do you think in terms of experience and leadership? Uh it would be amazing. She's a remarkable player, and, and like you said, she has a ton of experience. And um, you know, playing playing in the in the A League as well as playing international football. So to to get players like that involved would just be awesome in terms of you know having having these people to look up to, I guess, to the younger girls, um, and to essentially show us how it's done. And and so to to be able to get players like that would be great. But yeah, obviously, I think Slee, she she'll have a bit, you know, a, a few offers, I'm sure. And so. Yeah, it will be great if we can have can get a couple of players like that, you know, on the roster. Yeah, it'd be fantastic, all right, mate. What about um, mm. the? Uh, I mean, I, don't, I know that it's early days. You've signed the deal, but I mean, you mm. would have had conversations around contracts, and you know, in those in those conversations you have with the club and with the coach, you talk about aspirations and things. I mean, have there been any um, goal setting going on in the in the interviews that you had, or the the meetings that you had leading up to you signing the deal? Is that that goes in terms of the season? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. If that wasn't yeah. clear. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's definitely something you know I, I've discussed with Gemma, um, and and you know what direction we want to take this team, um, you know, this team, and, and obviously what I'd like to do individually this season. Um, there are quite a few of us in, involved in this Phoenix setup. They really love to push for the World Cup. Um, so the club has been very supportive in that, and, and trying to provide an environment. I guess we we have a you know our best shot of, of trying to make this World Cup next year, um, but yeah, look, we we really want to you know up the game this year and, and and I guess you know prove prove some more people wrong and and you know cause a lot of upsets. So yeah, I'm I'm very very excited. Yeah, what about your conversations with Yitkiklum Kova? Because obviously you've you've had a taste back in the ferns now, um, but you know mm-hmm. we've got we've got depth at keeper in in, in the ferns. You know, where Anna Leet was has just signed with mm-hmm. with Aston Villa. Of course, Vic Essen's at Rangers now, uh, and uh, you know mm-hmm. we've got we've got some very experienced players kicking around. So when you have those conversations with Yitka about what she wants to see, obviously we've got these players playing, and Erin of course playing off uh, offshore playing in Europe. Uh, is she 
Is she mm-hmm. happy for you to be playing in New Zealand or is she, you know, pushing players to, to look at Europe? Yeah, obviously, I think Yitka wants us to be in the, you know, most competitive environment as as possible. So, you know, she's had a lot of discussions with us and trying to make sure we're, we're in an environment that fits us well as, as players and we have the the most opportunity, I guess, for game time. At the end of the day, that's, you know, that's crucial is, is that you're playing minutes and then you're, you're, you're in form. So, obviously, having those discussions with Yitka, I, I, you know, came to that decision that this, this would be the best place for me as a player, but obviously they'd, they'd love to see us, you know, push as, as far as possible. So we're quite lucky with the A-League as well that, you know, it, it kind of works and complements a lot of other seasons throughout the world. So, you know, a lot of us imagine when, when we finish up, we'll try to get something in, in our A-League off-season um, offshore and, you know, really, really be competitive and, and hoping to make that World Cup squad. Yeah. I, I mean, you've signed a, a, a year's deal, I believe, right? Um, is that yes, deliberate? Correct. Because, you know, you're going, right, we've got a World Cup on our doorstep. I want to be here. I want to be for that. But if I get an opportunity there, I'm putting myself in the shop window, as it were. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, uh, they are offering um, multiple year deals now at the Phoenix, which is awesome to see. I think, you know, a uh, that's a really positive thing for the, the club to provide the girls. But, yeah, just at, at this stage, I think, you know, I'm just focusing on the, the next, I guess, six to nine months um, and, you know, see see how that goes. And then, you know, and then and then I guess I'll go back to the drawing board and, and figure out where's the best step next. Yeah, well, it's actually you beat me to the punch because I was going to ask you about that, about, you know, Alyssa's deal is obviously a, a two-year deal and we know that the... Uh, initial conversations around this uh, Phoenix women's team and the deal they had with New Zealand football was for two years leading up to the World Cup to give more players an opportunity mm-hmm. to be in a professional environment. Uh, but, of course, this signals mm-hmm. now that uh, they're, they're committing, the Phoenix are committing to a women's team beyond the World Cup, which has got to be positive. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's so exciting for, for women's football in New Zealand and I think it comes at a great time when, obviously, the World Cup will be here on on our shores, I think, you know, being the spot, it's a, it's a massive opportunity to grow the game. And I think we really have to ride that wave that, that's going to come with this World Cup. And I think, yeah, there's, there's going to be a lot of eyes on the game. And I think there'll be a lot more interest, you know, and, and, and there will be an audience for it. That's so, so exciting that the club's getting behind behind the women's game and, and you know, committing that beyond next year. Yeah, well, I mean, the women's game's going strength to strength, isn't it? You just have to look at England at the moment with the uh, yeah. women's Euros going on and they're setting attendance records left, right and centre. It's just a pity we don't have anybody that's picked it up here for us to see. But, uh, you know, <laughs> I did see uh, during the season, I think uh, Barcelona's women's team played Real Madrid's women's team and they had over 100,000 at the new Camp for it. Yeah, it's remarkable, isn't it? It's so exciting to see that kind of support, get, you know, and behind the game. And it, it just shows us that... You know, if, if if you give them a stage, people will come and watch. And I think there's, you know, a lot more investment in the game now, and and yeah, obviously a lot more interest when they're getting crowds like that. It's remarkable. So, I, yeah, I think it's very exciting that we we're going to have that here in New Zealand and Australia, and that kind of interest will will be focused on football in, in this country. So, yeah, it's, it's an amazing time to be a women's footballer, and obviously seen a huge amount of change just in the last ten years. I think you know going forward. You know, there there is no ceiling really, and it's it's really you know really very exciting to 
to be in the sport at the moment. Yeah, that's fantastic, mate. Fantastic. I'm looking forward to uh, more mm. announcements next week. It looks like we're going to get you know another bunch of names next week as well, which is going to be great. Um, mm-hmm. Before we let you go, mm-hmm. Lily, I just want to uh, ask you a few questions just to get to know you a little bit better. Are you, are you ready for that? Okay. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. <laughs> uh, have you always been a goalkeeper? And who was your your sort of uh, your footballing hero growing up? Uh, I have. I've, I've played football since about five years old, but I probably started to you know primarily focus on on goalkeeper at the age of twelve. Before that, I hated it. I didn't. I didn't want to go on goal. I wanted to run around. <laughs> but yeah, we we had a, a World Cup, an under seventeen World Cup here in. 2008, and when I watched that game, I watched some, some, I think it was a German team train, and I saw the keepers. I was like, from that moment forward, I knew that was what I wanted to do. <laughs> uh, if I grab your phone right now and flick through uh, the Spotify playlist, what was the last song you would have played? Oh, the last song? Oh, that's a great question. Probably 17 Going Under by Sam Fender. <laughs> okay, there you go. Sam Fender, that's one to add to the playlist. Uh, if you've got a night off, uh, you know, you, you're not training mm-hmm. the next day, you're not playing the next day. Uh, what's uh, what's what's the comfort food? What are you going to go to? Oh, well, that's a good question. Probably, probably something home cooked. <laughs> Obviously, yeah, not, not living at home anymore. I, I miss that food. Yeah, I'd go back home to my parents' house. <laughs> yeah, you think mum's going to cook? Anything yeah. I don't have to cook. <laughs> it's, 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 that's always a bonus. Uh, what about uh, what's on the telly then? Uh, have you got a favourite movie or a favourite TV series? Mm, I think you know it changes as like week to week. I'm always picking up something new. Um, Oh, what have I watched recently? Um, I've just watched Bo, Bo Burnham's documentary. I think I'm about a year late to that. The one he filmed in, in lockdown. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, that's cool, man. That's cool. And uh, finally, who's the most famous person you've met, Lily? Oh, famous person. Um, actually, we met J-Lo at one of our World Cups. <laughs> she was performing at one of the opening ceremonies. So our under-17 team got to meet her. <laughs> That is outstanding. That's that's up there. That's probably the, yeah, that's probably the best cool. answer I've had to that question so far. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah, pretty starstruck. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I bet. Alyssa Wynnum told me that Flea was the most famous person she'd met, and I thought she was talking about the bass player from the Chili Peppers <laughs> to start with, but but no, it was our own Emily. <laughs> Emily Longo, yeah. Yeah, she'd probably second, second, second most famous Second person, most famous it? flea around. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Good stuff, Lily. Yeah. Hey, thanks for joining us and having a chat, mate. Great to catch up with you. Best of luck uh, for the coming season with the Phoenix. Amazing. Thank you so much, Ricardo. No problem at all. There you go. Lily Elfeld, the Phoenix goalkeeper from last season. She's just signed for the coming season leading into the World Cup. Great to catch up with her and great to see that squad uh, coming together for Gemma Lewis and Natalie Lawrence, the coaches. It is 17 past four here on SENZ. Double 12. But we haven't seen a nine dart on this stage since 2018. But it's on now. He likes to go that way. Down to go up. For double 12, and the nine dark king lands another one. This time at the Winter Gardens, Gerwin Price muscles his way to a nine dart leg to raise the roof at the Winter Gardens, and the place is in an absolute frenzy here.
It is 4.22 here on SCNZ Sunday afternoon. And as always, we go the extra distance for you when it comes to finding guests to talk about sport and uh, their specialist fields. And we've managed to track down uh, the host of At The Oki, uh, the darts show that happens every fortnight, Monday nights here on SCNZ. Ben Francis, uh, welcome to the show. Oh, good afternoon, Ricardo. It's a pleasure a pleasure to be on the show. You had to work very hard to track me down today. Exactly, yeah, right through the glass there. Uh, that nine <laughs> data we just heard. Did I, did I hear that right? The first nine data at the World Match Play since 2018. Yeah, and I believe that was Gary Anderson who, who went on to win the tournament. I always assume, because these guys are so good, that you get nine datas at every tournament. Oh, I think it's a bit harder when you're in front of a big crowd. I think it probably adds that pressure. You know, they can do it out the back nice and easy. You'll get them practice. Go on price. I think it was at the World Champs just gone. He actually threw one during the break. So I think it was just that pressure that you're out of that game, and then he goes and throws one. But I, I just think it, part of it's just the crowd, the pressure. Uh, they probably can do it in their sleep, you know, if they're, you know, practicing and things like that. But I guess you might just get like a little deflection and the dart goes the wrong way, or, you know, it can be a few factors in it. Yeah, all right, mate. Well, where are we at with the uh, World Match Play of Darts at the moment? So tomorrow morning will be the men's final, which will be, t- be between Gerwin Price and uh, mighty Michael Van Gerwen. Uh, if you are a bit of a night bird and you're going to be up uh, very overnight, you're going to stay up all night, you can catch the women's, uh, inaugural Women's World Match Play as well. So during the PDC Women's Series, they've uh, any get your ranking points in the eight, Top-ranked players after that will be competing in that, just like a straight knockout, and then they'll have the final on that as well. So that's quite a cool little uh, thing that they've got going there too. Yeah, who's the favourite for the women's? Is it Fallon Sherrick? Yeah, Fallon will definitely be out there. Otherwise, it will be the three-time uh, women's world champion, Lisa Ashton. Those two meet all the time in finals. Uh, Lisa was the first ever woman to have a PDC tour card, which she had for her two years. Uh, she's been going very well. Uh, Fallon... And we'll be hoping to make a bit of a mark before she and the other PDC stars uh, make their way down to Australia and New Zealand, of course, next month. Yeah, exactly. That's not too far away. Okay, so who did Van Gerwen um, and Gerwen Price get? Uh, I was say Michael Van Gerwen and Gerwen Price all yeah, It's a bit, a bit of a confusing one, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's Michael Van Gerwen Price. Uh, who did they get past <laughs> to get to, to the final? Uh, so Gerwen Price overcame uh, another Dutch player by the name of uh, Danny Noppet, uh, who's who's been around for a few years, but... He's really sad to kind of hit his mark this year. I believe, off the top of my head, I believe he won the UK Open uh, earlier this year, which was very good. So he won that one 17-11 where he hit his uh, fourth nine data of the year. And Michael Van Gerwen had to really push hard in his uh, semifinal against the 2020 champion and Dimitri Vandenberg. Uh, he got off to a pretty rocky start in that one, but ended up winning that one uh, 17-14, and it was... Uh, a very thrilling finish in that one. Yeah, all right. Well, maybe let's hear from those guys. Let's start with Michael Van Gerwen speaking after he won his semi-final. Michael, congratulations. That was a test of endurance as much as anything, wasn't it? Yeah, it was probably a test. Uh, who had the most balls, who could hold his nerves the most, and who had um, um, yeah, the most belief in himself, and I think that was me. How hard is it to maintain that belief when all the way through that game you're trying to get ahead, you're trying to get ahead, and you just yeah, couldn't yeah, quite but manage it? I, I, I gave too many room away, you know, especially just to call out a few. It's before the first break, 4 1 down, could have maybe be 
three two down or three two up. Do you know what I mean? After that, could have been five all, and I was hurting myself too much. And when you keep doing that, it, of course, that doesn't work in your favour. And especially when hit, Dimi starts with a few nice finishing after as well, it, you make it really tough for yourself. But uh, as long as you keep believing in your own ability and. Uh, mentally, I'm quite strong at the moment, so I will never give up, and that's exactly what I did, and I'm glad it turned out quite well. When we get to this stage of the Betfred World match play, it is longer format. You can relax a little bit if you're not playing well for a patch, but that last session... I, I never relax in the game, trust me. Well, it really I always put the pressure on. Yeah, of course, when I really need to happen, you have to do it. You have to show it then. You, you can't let yourself down, because otherwise he will be there to grab it. Did you ever feel at any point in that match comfortable like you were happy with how you were no, playing? No, no, no. To, to be fair, not. But did I believe in me on a uh, comeback? Yes. I was never uh, told I was going to lose this game. You know what I mean? Because I always had the belief in ah, one more leg, I will hurt him and then I will go over him. But you still have to do it and that's not that easy. You can say it so many times to yourself, but it, it's quite tough. But uh, I managed to do it and that's, uh, I'm proud of myself. Through to the final for the first time since he won the Betfred World Match. Yeah, play. true. It's a, a massive night tomorrow night against Gerwin Price. Yeah, true. Me and Gerwin will be, of course, cracking over game. I think everyone, uh, if you could say it beforehand, will be one of the, the nicest finals for uh, final for people to see. But uh, there's something to worry about tomorrow. It'd be a very different game against Gezi than it will against Dylan. Yeah, of course. It? Tomorrow will be straight on game. We both just want to throw the darts and. No side things, just the best man wins, simple as that. Uh, we saw you at one point look at your hand. Are you yeah. physically fine to, to yeah, play a long format game like that? 100%, everyone knows that. But it's, been a it's been a long eight, nine days for me, but uh, uh, I hope uh, it can, uh, I can hold my uh, body together for one more day. Yeah, Michael Van Gerwen there speaking. Uh, he did have surgery recently on his hand, of course. He'll be up against uh, Gerwin Price, the Welsh Dragon, of course, a former rugby player and league player as well. Uh, certainly changed the uh, expectations of what a darts player should look like um, for many years of, uh, you know, sort of uh, the the Phil Taylors, etc. But uh, Gerwin Price is going to meet Michael Van Gerwen in the final. Here's what he had to say after his big semi-final win. Gerwin, congratulations. Only the second Welshman through to the final of the Betfred World Match Play in the first for 20 years. You must be delighted with how you're playing right now. Yeah, I'm going in the right direction, but hopefully I can be the first Welshman to win it, so happy days. The nine data, we've got to talk about it. You must feel that when you're playing as you were in that match, there's always one around the corner. Yeah, yeah, I know. When You, you can feel it when you get the rhythm, when you get your get the pace of the game then everything seems to flow and up until like 10-5 everything seemed cushy to me and then I came out after that break and put it a barn door for three legs but that's the way the, the game can turn but yeah for that period of time I felt like I couldn't miss that little period it went into the next leg as well and there were a lot of people in there thinking we might be seeing back to back here have you done that in practice back to back nights my memory's not the best but I don't think so <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather do it on stage than in practice. I, I don't want to waste them, but yeah, it was uh, it was a little deflection into the treble five, I believe. But I, yeah, I think I would have got two anyway. <laughs> um, look, you're in the final now, and you've got pretty much better as the tournament's gone on. I know that you're probably frustrated you didn't win it sooner, but in a really long format game, there's going to be spe you're not going to play your best all the way through, are you? Yeah, but. It wasn't that I wasn't at my best. It was how bad I played for, you know, three legs. I mean, even if I'm just a little bit below par, but the drop 
from there to there in such a short period of time. Yeah, I wasn't happy with that, but I gladly won the last two legs in the, in and went eight, uh, 12 eight up to go into the next break. So yeah, eleven nine. I'm thinking a little bit more. This hasn't been the happiest of hunting grounds for you in the past. I mean, this week has completely changed that. I mean, all of a sudden, the Betfred Will match play can turn into your favourite tournament all of a sudden. Mate. Yeah, well, I, it certainly happened in the Worlds where I couldn't get over the first round, second round for you know, four or five years. And then as soon as I did, I was in the final and picking up the trophy. So, yeah, hopefully that's the case here. Now, every year I come here, I'll have good memories rather than bad ones. What would it mean to you to have your hands on not just the Eric Bristow Trophy, but the Phil Taylor Trophy as well? You'd be the first person since those trophies were renamed, actually, to have both of them. Yeah, I mean, it's nice to lift the World the world Championship, but to win the Eric Bristow one, you know, back-to-back, and hopefully lift this one. Uh, it's not the only one I want to win. I want to win every one that I haven't won before. This is one of them, you know, the UK Open and the Players' Championship. So, yeah, hopefully I can tick this one off this weekend and then... Next year when I come, things become a little bit more easier. So there you go. That is good when Price talking after his when they meet, uh, what tonight? time tonight? Did you say 10.30? No, so the final will be about, I reckon, just after 8 o'clock New Zealand time. Oh, okay. 8 a.m. tomorrow morning. 8 a.m. tomorrow morning. Yeah. Uh, who are you picking? I'm going Gerwin Price. He's been the most consistent throughout the tournament. He's just got the world number one back and... I would absolutely love it if he uh, came down to New Zealand as the reigning world match play champion and he just happened to bring the uh, the, the trophy in studio, but I'm not going to get my hopes up. Yeah, well, I mean, not only that, but he's going to be world number one as well, isn't he, if he gets the win here? Uh, no, he's, he's already confirmed. So with Peter Wright getting eliminated in the quarterfinals, uh, Gerwin just had to better him uh, to get number one, which he's done. So if he's will be officially number one at the end of the tournament again and uh, come down to this part of the world as that world number one. Yeah, perfect. Well, he's the favourite at the TAB, $1.66. Michael Van Gerwen, $2.07 is how it looks. And uh, at the Oki tomorrow night, what time? Uh, we're on from 9 to 10 tomorrow, and we will briefly touch on the on the world match play, but we've got a pretty full show as we have uh, Mal Cumming, Burning Smith, and Caden Milne, who are the three uh, qualifiers uh, for the New Zealand Darts Masters. Uh, there's still two spots left to fill for that, but that is done through the rankings, uh, which will be, I don't think it's next weekend, which will be confirmed after two weeks' time, so we should have the two after that. But we'll touch on the match play. We'll uh, promote as well the beginning, the official beginning of our nine dart challenge as well, to score as many darts as you can with nine darts. And I heard you did pretty well doing that. Yeah, I did 227 um, the other day with a nine darter, which is probably about 100 more than I normally get. Just need the camera and you'll be sweet. Yeah, Filmed it. Needs yeah. to be on the video. No, it needs to be on video. Uh, yeah, well, that's me toasting. <laughs> um, I can update you on the score from the Titans-Dogs game as well. The uh, uh, Dogs have just scored again. They lead 18-6, to conversion to come. And has he got it? Yeah, he's got it. Matt Burton's got it. So 20 to 6. Josh Adokar with a double. Jeremy Marshall King as well. Toby Sexton with a try for the Titans. And the Dogs up 20 to 6 with 15 left in the first half. When we come back, we're going to talk cycling with Del Woodford. If it does have pedals, wheels, and gears, he knows all about it. As Del Woodford, a cycling commentator. G'day, mate. How are you? Very good, Ricardo. Yeah, thanks very much. No worries, mate. No worries. Uh, Com Games, not too far away. How excited are you about the, uh, the I was going to say 30-man, it's not correct, is it? 30-person team that we're sending. I'm pretty excited, actually. I'm pretty excited about the Commonwealth Games. Uh, I know a lot of people don't get too hyped about it, but what, what really hit home for me today with the importance of the Commonwealth Games, I was listening to 
uh, an interview with Mark Cavendish on a on a, a cycling podcast with with, um, with some other people, and and he they said to him, "What's coming up?" And he goes, oh, "I've got the Tour of Poland coming up next week, and then I've got the Commonwealth Games, and I'm really hyped for this." And do you guys know about the Commonwealth Games? And and they said, "Well, is that where you guys compete against Jamaica?" And he goes, "Yeah, yeah, but I, the cool thing about it is I don't have to compete for Great Britain. I compete for the Isle of Man, and you know, it's it's just this awesome event." And I was like, you know, a guy that's won equal record number of stages in the Tour de France, the most prolific sprinter of all time in cycling, is excited about the Commonwealth Games at the end of his career. It just, it means something, it means something to the athletes, and uh, to hear someone say that, Ricardo, I'm super hyped for the Commonwealth Games. <laughs> yeah, how good is that, mate? That is, uh, that is superb. I mean, we tend to measure our success and you can see why on on medals how many medals we're going to get but I mean the Com Games has a few different uh, levels doesn't it in a way from uh, you know a high performance sport New Zealand cycling New Zealand point of view because this is giving youngsters also a taste of uh, what these big events are like you know and, and maybe is it almost experiential for some of them so that they kind of know what's in store or if they get selected for the next Olympics or whatever as well yeah, I think I think that's exactly right. I think across a lot of sports, you know, they always say going to the Olympics is your first big event is, is something that just, just that whole atmosphere and vibe around it, is, it can be so overwhelming. You don't perform to your best. And I think having the opportunity to do a Commonwealth Games, um, particularly a couple of years out from the Olympics, and if you're, you're building towards that, it's absolutely ideal. And the selection of the, the track team and or the cycling team is, is really reflected that. If you look at... You know, they've brought in George Jackson uh, into the men's endurance team. You've got, you know, young Olivia King uh, coming into the, the sprint team. I, I think that's really good. The road team's pretty well established with solid riders on the men's side, but on the women's side, we've got some really exciting talent. Ellie Wollaston, uh, Henrietta Christie, Nene Fisher-Black, Ella Harris, probably all, I think all day doing it from Michaela Harvey at the Commonwealth Games. Um, yeah, and, and in their sport of women's road cycling, they're right up there with the, you know, the top in the world. And just give them the, the Commonwealth Games and then, you know, towards the Olympics, it's going to give them a chance to gel as a team and, and, you know, sort a few things out. And I think it's going to be, it's really important and it's really exciting to have that mix of experience and use coming uh, into a team for the Commonwealth Games. Now, I know we uh, often have success, uh, you know, on the uh, in the velodrome with the sprints and things like that, even mountain biking and stuff. But uh, I look at the road team, particularly the men's road team, and with the guys we've got riding on all the top tours, you know, and um, the Italian tour, the, the the Tour de France, et cetera, as well, Patrick Bevan, Jack Bauer, guys like that, Aaron Gate. I mean, that road team looks really, really strong. How close to uh, a gold medal do you think they're capable of being? Oh, that, they've got every opportunity. It, it's going to be one hell of a road race. If you look at the Commonwealth riders that are at the Tour de France, um, Geraint Thomas, Owen Dill, Luke Rowe, Caleb Ewan, um, Fred Wright, all riding for for you know their countries. Um, it's it's one hell of a field. Then you know you chuck in. I'm not sure who the Australians have named. Whether they've got Durbridge, uh, Scotsman, you know Rowan Dennison there. Who else? England, uh, um, Wales have put into their teams. It's a really really tough road race to win. But we've got it pretty well covered with the experience of Shane Archbold who. You know, at the pre-com games, we're at the launch of the team announcement, said, you know, he'll either be coming out of the Tour de France a little bit tired for the, and flying for the Commonwealth Games, or he'll be going into the Commonwealth Games absolutely flying and fresh because he hasn't ridden the Tour de France. So he's, he's pretty excited about it and knows he'll be in good shape. 
we know Jack Bauer. He's just had a, a stellar tour to France. Um, he's done so much work for, for the team. He'll be in good form. Paddy Bevins had a great season. Uh, you know, that, that win at the Tour of Turkey. Dion Smith, Aaron Gates, Campbell Stewart, all very fast finishes. So I think the strength of the New Zealand team will be the way they will ride to support each other. And they're going to be a really good tight unit and they'll be hard to beat in the road race. But yeah, there's some big competition. Cavendish, if it comes to a sprint finish, you know, how do you beat Mark Cavendish? Um, you, need a, you need a really good game plan. Garrett Thomas uh, you know, coming out of the tour in third, third place in the Tour de France, going to be absolutely flying. Uh, yeah, it, it's going to be a great road race, but we're, we're right in the mix for sure. What, where else do you think we're likely to medal? Uh, I know that we've lost a few um, from the, you know, from the velodrome in the, in the last couple of years. But how strong is that team? The track team overall, I think, if you look at Elise Andrews, Olympic silver medalist, is going to be right up there in the sprints and the the Karen. Uh, she'll definitely definitely bring home a medal. Um, you know, she could go two gold. You just, you know, she depends how her preparation's gone. Difficulty for them is. You know, there's been COVID, there hasn't been a lot of competition. We're a long way away from competition. So, you know, it's hard for the riders to know exactly how they're going. Uh, I think Ronnie Botta is definitely, I know she's had COVID and a, a build-up hasn't been what it was, but pre-getting COVID, she was, you know, knocking world's best times in individual pursuit. So, you know, if she's got that form back, uh, ride a gold medal against the name. She will be very, very hard to beat. She's, she's in, in fantastic form. Ali Williston, who's riding, uh, starts the Women's Tour de France tomorrow, will come out of that week of, of racing in sensational form. So she'll go extremely well in the, uh, if she gets to ride the, you know, the bunch races like the Omnium, she'll be a big part of the team's pursuit. So that, that's on, on the women's side. I think we've got a real chance. The team sprint's got a good chance of meddling. meddling. Rebecca Peach, who's come from BMX, uh, is the starter in that. She's She's world class. She's right up there, and you know it's a big lot of pressure on Olivia King to get on the back wheel and Elise Andrews to finish it off. But if they if they gel, they will they'll go really close. They can push anybody. Uh, Peach is world class at starting, so you know another really good good medal prospect. The men's team's pursuit. Well, we saw them at the Olympic Games, just unfortunately out there and crashing. Um, didn't get into that into that final, but a top unit. So you know there you've got. I think the team will probably look like Gate, Kirby, Sexton and, and Campbell Stewart. Um, Paulman Strong, George Jackson, I, I'm not sure where they'll sit in the mix. And you know, they'll be working that out now. The team's in Solitaire and, and Switzerland preparing for the Commonwealth Games. So a lot of hard work going in. But I think they will stick with that core you know, team of, of Kirby, Gate, Sexton, Stewart. Nick Kirkus is in there as well. But I think he will fo- focus on the kilo. Um, he put in an outstanding performance at the World Cup in, in Canada and, you know, he won or got second uh, in that kilo. So, you know, another really hot prospect, uh, you know, for bringing home, home a medal. Mm. Oh, and what about in the in the mountain biking? I mean, uh, uh, if Anton Cooper and Sam Gaze don't beat each other, um, you know, should should they both be favourites again for to be on the podium? Uh, without a doubt, like uh, Anton had a crash the other day and hurt his arm, so hopefully he's not too bad and, and comes back pretty well. Sam Gaze, um, yeah, he's had a you know a bit of a disrupted season with illness and, and whatnot on the road and, and mountain biking, but they'll be they will certainly be in the mix. Uh, ben Oliver has been riding really well as well, so don't don't discount Ben Oliver out. Um, a really good team, but who lines up? You know, if you think if, if uh, 
Tom Pidcock was to line up in the mountain biking. He's the Olympic champion. He's just won the outdoor stage of the Tour de France, and he's the world cyclocross champion. If he fronts up, it changes the ball game of the bike race a little bit on the mountain bike side. Yeah. I haven't looked at the team to see if he's riding um, the mountain bike or, or not, you know, or, or even if he's riding the Commonwealth Games. But you know, it, it, that's the sort of caliber of rider that could front up. And if you if we look at the Oceana part of it. You know, Cooper and Gaze are, are a touch above this. You know, the Australian rider that finished third last time, and I think Ben was fourth or fifth or something like that. But we're, you know, <laughs> on their day, they could take all three medals. Absolutely, Ricardo on the mountain biking, it's super strong. Yeah, well, I mean, the the uh, signs look good for us to get a decent medal haul out of the cycling team. What do you, what's your expectation on that front? Oh, gee, it's so it's hard to put a a number on, on, on gold medals. I, you know, you'd like to think you'd come home with you know, three or four gold medals. But previously, we always had a bit of, you know, not, not certainties, but Sam Webster three times in the in the sprints, uh, talking to Sam before he went away. He's coming back from a bit of injury. He's not sure how he's going to go and what events he's going to really focus on at these common games because you've got the team sprint, but the individual sprint and the care, and it's a lot of series of races when you haven't had the, the build-up you would like, so you've got to pick what events you target. So um, I know that none of the other sprinters in the Commonwealth like drawing Sam Webster in the match sprints because he's just the assassin. Like he's, he, you know, to win those Commonwealth Games in the past, he's taken out the Olympic and World Champion twice. So um, no one likes to meet meet him in the match sprints. He's he's, he's unbelievable. Uh, so you know, no doubt the team sprint will play a big part. Kieran um, may play a big part for him as well, but Callum Saunders is a, is a really good chance in the Kieran. He's had a, you know, a solid build-up, but with some injury, but he's a very, very good Kieran rider. I think um, of of the young crop coming through, I think he's our best Kieran rider. He, he got that World Cup medal in uh, Hong Kong a couple of years ago, um, which really blew everyone away. I think he was surprised because he's not super well-known. I think he's a really good chance. Women's team sprint, I think they'll be in the battle for the for the gold medal. Um, Ali Wollaston's going to have a really great chance in the, if she gets to ride the Omnium. I think she'll go really close in the women's team's pursuit. They were a wee bit off the pace at the, at the Olympics, um, but this isn't the Olympics, and Great Britain's not Great Britain. Australia will be strong, so hopefully they make that final. Uh, yeah, so, you know, the men, I think the men will make the final, hands down. Um, I think they'll be riding for the gold. And I think, you know, with, with Corbin Strong and Gate uh, for the for the Madison, uh, for Corbin Strong for the Omnium, Nick Kirkazoo for the Kilo, uh, George Jackson will probably ride the Scrat, you know, one of the big bunch races. They're all into, they've all been going well. Their, their build-ups have been, been fantastic. So I think they'll they'll go go well. Um, Women's team's pursuit, not quite so sure. I think uh, they'll... They might be riding you know, at the moment. I'd like to say they're riding for gold, but I think you know the focus will be on Ali on the individual and Baroni on the individual events, and the team's pursuit will come together. And you know, hopefully they they gel and it goes well. But maybe maybe a bronze, maybe a bronze. All right, good stuff. Hey, Dell, thanks very much for coming on and uh, sharing your knowledge with us, mate. It's always good to talk cycling with you. Go well and enjoy those calm games, mate. I know you're looking forward to it. That's uh, exciting, Ricardo. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having us on, and yeah, kicking off um, what the end, pretty soon the end of the week, and it's going to be really exciting, and it's a great, great opportunity for Cycling New Zealand to sort of have a, a big reset, and um, yeah, a great, great crop of young riders, 
uh, coming through and it's, it's going to be really exciting so I look forward to uh, catching up with you during the event yeah no it's going to be good it's good to be talking about cycling and not off uh, off off velodrome off road stuff right you know it's, it's, that, that, that's, that's, it, that's right. the good side of it go well Dell. thanks very much for your time thanks absolute pleasure Ricardo cheers, cheers. it is a nine away from five here on SCNZ yeah, this is SENZ. Ricardo Ball uh, just about to wrap things up for the day. A reminder that uh, after 6 o'clock we go to the league. It's going to be the West Tigers taking on the North Queensland Cowboys. We'll bring you coverage of that game. I can tell you that the Titans have hit back against the Dogs uh, and not... Uh, with uh, before time as well, they have scored through David Fafita. Uh, they're just lining the kick up here. If they go, if this goes over, it'll be twenty six to twelve. Uh, the dogs. It's just about half time though. Well out in front. Tries for them. Uh, double for Josh Adokar, Jeremy Marshall King, and Matt Burton have also scored tries. And it's Toby Sexton and David Fafita uh, have scored tries for the Titans. And uh, he, Toby Sexton, has just missed that conversion. So 26-10 is the score as we go into half time. The Canterbury Bulldogs up against the Gold Coast Titans from the NRL. A reminder that that game between the Tigers and the Cowboys is not too far away, and the Cowboys are big favourites here. They were $1.08 when we started the show. They're into $1.06 now. The Tigers are out to $8.50, and the handicap is minus 22.5. It was minus 21.5 last hour, so get on the Cowboys. Looks like they're to go. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.